Anybody faced with any decisions this week? Anybody faced with any hard decisions this week? Anybody faced with decisions that had uh, eternal consequences, so to speak? I got hot this morning. Is it hot in here? We get faced with decisions all the time. You made decisions this morning whether you were going to get up and come to church. You made decisions this morning what you were going to have for breakfast, maybe which way you were going to drive to church. You was making decisions, and you've been making decisions since you got here. You decided to come up and get prayed for. You decided to go and pray for somebody and with somebody. You decided to raise your hand and mention somebody that I hadn't even mentioned before. That's all because that's the Spirit of God doing His work. And we get to decide whether or not we listen to Him or whether we don't. But decisions will have consequences. Amen? Thank you, sweetie. I guess I'm not in trouble. That is, she wants me to survive until afterwards. I pick on sweetie a lot, but that's why she married me. I mean, I picked on her from the very beginning and 21 years later, I'm still picking, and she's still smiling, and I'm still saying yes, ma'am, and it's all good. It's kind of like a relationship with the Lord. Got to listen to him. But decisions, we get faced with decisions all the time, and they have consequences. Some decisions are dangerous. We'll talk about a fellow this morning in the Bible by the name of Lot. Anybody know who Lot is? Abraham's nephew. Traveled with him, went places with him, made some decisions. And there were some motivations that helped him to make them decisions, but I'm hoping by the end of this message I'm going to put something together. I'm going to read in 2 Peter first, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, and he's talking about, this basically is a chapter about the warnings against false teachers and talks about the power of God. You know, we got prayed for this morning and there is nothing that's impossible for God. Nothing. Healing can come to everybody that received prayer this morning. Uh, spiritual bondage can come off of us from everybody that received prayer this morning. There's nothing that's impossible for God. We have a scripture here in chapter 2, verse 7, and he's talking about that the God that was turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemned them with an overflow. That's in verse 6, actually. Making them example unto those that after should live ungodly. So he's making an example saying this is what happens when you live ungodly. With, this is what God does. It's an example. That's from the word of God, so we have to take it for what it is. And it said, And delivered just lot, vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. At some point, and I don't know when, like I said last week, we don't get to play the judge. But according to this, 
Lot was a righteous man. Now, I might need y'all to help me a little bit on this, Brother Murphy, and because um, this is just in, <laughs> so to speak. But yet we know he had a, a rough walk. He was blessed enough whenever God called Abraham out of the land of Ur to go with him. He was his brother's son. And so he went with him. And whenever they, Abraham, it said, well, let's, uh, he, he, had, uh, he had a flock. We're going to put this in cowboy terms this morning. Everybody like watching westerns? Yeah, like a good western. So we're going to put it in cowboy terms this morning, so don't hold it against me. Let's go to Genesis 13, chapter 1. said, Then Abraham went up from Egypt and his wife and all that he had and lot with him to the south. And Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So he was doing pretty good for himself. We're going to say he had cows, okay? It says livestock. I'm, we're going to call it cows. We're going to put it in cowboy terms. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place to the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, who went with Abraham, had flocks and, and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock, or his cows, and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, or his cows. Now here's a, here's a piece of scripture that just kind of baffled me. We're talking about Abraham and Lot. And then you got this one little sentence in here that says, The Canaanites and the Pezzarite, parasites, parasites, parasites then dwelt in the land. Now that kind of perplexed me a little bit. I'm thinking, what is that there for? These guys got their herds, they're going out, they're doing what they're supposed to do. But basically, I think what was going on was a range war. I got a bunch of cows, and, and, and my brother Danny, he's got a bunch of cows. He, he's my brother in Christ. We ain't blood kin, but he's got a bunch of cows, and we're coming together. He's the younger. I'm the older. I'm the one that's been having conversations with God. And now we've done showed up here on this land, and now we've got more cows than what the land will support. The sad part is, me and him's getting along fine, but it's the boys that's working with us that we've hired on. They're having fights over the cows. Who's got the most cows? This is my cow. Keep your cow over there. That must have been where fences started. I don't know. But they was having a little range war going on, fighting over whose was what's. Whose was what's. What belonged to who. But these other people were watching. That was the point of that. You see, they were having fights and they were having strife over what belonged to who. That's a better way to say it. And Abraham, in all his wisdom, knew to go to him and say, Look, we need to part ways. We're going to read that here in a minute. But it was because of what these other people were seeing. They belonged to God. What did, what did he tell Abraham? 
your seed, if man could count the seed, the, the, the sand of the, of, the, of the earth, that's what your seed's going to be. That's the promise. So they're serving this God, and therefore they are an example. Guess who else is an example? Us. We're the example. And so his boys, they, maybe they don't believe like they believe. Maybe they're just immature believers. I don't know which it is. The Bible doesn't tell us, so we have to be careful about what we speculate on. But he gave us this verse here to say that these Canaanites and Pezzarites were there. They were seeing what was going on. You see, the devil would much rather start a big old church bus than he would sell a truckload of whiskey. Why? Because the Canaanites and the Pezzarites... That's their land. That's where they're at. They're seeing what's going on. And so Lot and all his, or Abraham and his wisdom, as God was leading him, comes up with a plan. So Abraham said to Lot, verse 8, Genesis 13, verse 8. So Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brethren. Is it not the whole land before you? Please separate from me and take the left. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, and like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. You see, Lot had decisions to make, and we're going to look at his decision today. We're going to look at the decision that he made. We're going to look at um, what God revealed. You see, we came to pray this morning, to have prayer, and there's something going on in our lives. And you know what? When God gives us a test, he's helping us. Just know that. It may not be fun, but he's helping us. And so we get to see some things about Lot's character. And ultimately, and this is where I'm perplexed, We'd see his fall. Now, was God saying that he was a righteous man up until that point and he was rescued? And then what? You go to the New Testament, the only other time you hear about Lot is it's talking about the bad stuff. Jesus himself does. As it it was in the days of Lot, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So it, it wasn't too good. It wasn't too good what was going on there. But see, Abraham is the mature Christian. We'll call him the mature Christian. He came up with the idea and he said, you know what? I have the right to this land. And he could have said, boy, I'm going this way, you go that way. But instead of creating the strife, he said, you choose. Whichever way you want to go, I'll go the other. You see, he was willing to face great loss and let Lot make the decision. But now we know how Lot's decision went. 
We know that he made his decision based on materialism. If you look there, what it was saying is that he saw just how, how good the land was looking. How good his flocks would be able to grow. It didn't say anything about him having gold, but maybe he was wanting some. He had a herd, he had, he had that, but you see, his, his, his sole decision was selfish. How's this going to affect me? He wasn't thinking about God. He wasn't thinking about Abraham. He wasn't thinking about his children. No, he was thinking about the gold he could get over God. He was thinking about the cattle that he could gain over what was going to happen with his family. He wasn't looking. You see, sin always starts small, and then it grows. You don't realize you're there, and then it grows. That's, how, that's what happens, and that's what happened with him. He made this decision, and he goes out, and he's in, he's in, he's in the, the edge, so to speak. I can see him t- sitting down with his wife and saying, Sweetie, it probably, we shouldn't probably go over there. You know, it's kind of a bad place. It's got a bad reputation. But you know what? they got good schools, and there's plenty of good work there. And, you know, look at this grass, how lush it is. We ain't seen anything like this. And, you know, our cows are going to grow. They're going to multiply. And you know what's coming after that? When we go to the market, we're going to bring them some dineros. Now, we're not going to go in the city. We're just going to go to the suburbs. We're going to hang out on the edge. When we have to, we'll go into the city if we need to. You know, we might need to buy groceries. You know, they got that one new restaurant that everybody's raving about. So we need to go over there, and probably we can sell some of our beef there and get those steaks sold. That's what we can do. We're not going to go in, mind you, but we're going to kind of hang out on the edge. You see, that's the thing with, with uh, carnality. It's me first. It's putting Jesus off of the throne and putting me on the throne. See, any disagreements that any of us ever have, it's because we want the throne. Jesus tells us how to deal with it. When he's on the throne, we have to suck it up sometimes, pull our big boy britches up, say, I'm sorry, say, I was wrong. Can you forgive me? The first measure of carnality is what's in it for me. And that's exactly what was going on with Lot. We see there in verse 10, it talks about Eden and Egypt. That's how good the land looked. Well, you know what? Eden, we know what Eden is. That's the place where Adam and Eve was. What was Egypt a sign of or a symbol of? Sin. See, when we live in a place of carnality, we want the best of both worlds. We want to straddle the fence. We kind of touched on it last week. I can't get away from it, so forgive me. But you can't do both. Lots another good example of what will happen when we try to do both. You see, we're dealing with situations in our lives right now, folks. Some of us might have something that nobody has any idea. You know, Sarah, I'm praying that God will give you a good answer. We're going to have a testimony. No MS for you. But that doesn't cause it from weighing on your mind, does it? All the stuff that we face, it doesn't cause us to, it don't not weigh on our mind, does it? 
But when we start making decisions in our lives and we start looking at the stuff, rather than looking at what God's looking at, what can happen? We see all the bad things that can happen. We conjure up all the things in our minds, the good or the bad. We come up with it on our own. But the thing is, is once it starts down that road, it's hard to turn back. And if you don't turn back, what started out here is going to be a mountain. So when Lot made his decision to go over there to that place, what he did was, God said, go ahead. Has he ever told you to go ahead and then you get through it and you're like, man, I, I, I wish you hadn't have told me to go ahead because this ain't fun. This ain't comfortable. You see, it, it'd be like me asking Wesley back here to come and look at a tree. You know, I've got this great big beautiful tree, Wesley, over on my property. Come look at it, will you, and tell me what it's worth. He comes over because he's a tree man. And he says, you know what, man, that tree is, that's pretty good. I'll give you 10000 for that tree alone because he's going to make twenty. I don't, I don't know. I don't know timbers. So I, those numbers may be totally off. He might give me 10 and he make $20. I don't know. But I had to make it sound good because you say 10000 and people's ears perk up. They start listening. Might have been a million-dollar tree. But whenever you start walking down the path, whenever things start to happen, what's happening is God is trying to reveal to us what's in us. Tests come so that we get to know about us. It's not what you know about me. And if that means something to you, you need to meet who Jesus Christ is because the place you need to go is the prayer, not the telephone. But that would be like that big, beautiful tree sitting out there. Me and Wesley, we done made the deal. He's coming next Tuesday to cut it. But this storm comes up this weekend. And this tree, bam, it falls down. I mean, it had pretty leaves on it. It looked good to me. I'm not a timber guy, and it was so good it even fooled Wesley. And then you walk over to where the tree is, and all of a sudden, this great big tree that's this big, looking beautiful and lush, you see it's only got about that much good wood on it, and the rest of it is rotten. It looked good, but it wasn't good. You see, the storm didn't cause the rottenness inside the tree. The storm revealed the rottenness inside the tree. And we get to see it for what it is. So every time we go through a test, understand and know this, what God is doing is he's trying to help us. Now we see he goes in here and he, he goes into this town. And, and Charlie, are you been pulling up the script? Charlie, ain't here. He, he raptured. Amadis don't even know, so you didn't get to make it either. <laughs> oh, there he is. Called you out, Charlie. Sorry. I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, you're just putting the scriptures up. We know in uh, chapter 19, I think it is, if you'll pull it up, and I'm not sure where it is, but get there. Um, we know that Lot had camped outside the town. If you go into chapter 14, we know he got in trouble and Abraham had to go rescue him. He got rescued. What happened? He went back. He got rescued and saved from calamity, from all this bad stuff. Then he goes back. He started out on the outskirts of town. Now, I think it's chapter 19. Let me get this. 
Well, it's not in Second Peter, so it must be over here. Nope, it's not there. Yes, it is there. Chapter 19, verse 1, it says, There came two angels to Sodom at, at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now, do you understand what that means? He wasn't sitting at the gate just leading into town. Whenever you see that in the Bible, he, he, was, now, he was now a big dude. Yeah, Lot was, yeah, he's sitting at the gate. Now, what that means is Lot had done joined the town council. He might have even been the mayor. So he went from pitching his tent over here. He got in trouble because he was associated with them. His uncle has to come and rescue him. And he's, not, he's like a lot of us. He's a knothead. He didn't catch on, so he goes right back to where he started. But now he's not on the outskirts. He's now in the town. See, that's what sin does. You go a little bit deeper. And there's a whole world out there that will tell you that it's okay. Well, you're just human. That's right, you are. Crawl up to the top of the building, take a swan dive off. Go right ahead. Oh, no, I'll get hurt. See, we do have the ability to make the decisions of right and wrong. We do know that some things will hurt us, but sometimes the flesh likes to call on us. But here's Lot. Now, ch check this out. He's now, we're going to call him the mayor. He's the mayor of Sodom. All because of a decision he made from the beginning based on materialism. He was going after the gold. He wanted more cows. It looked lush over there. It looked good over there. And so he takes off, and now he's the mayor of town. And these angels come. He rises up to meet them. So he knows how to play the game. He knows who they are. We'll read that in there. I'm not going to read it all. I don't have time to develop all that. But you read it for yourselves there from, from 13 through through here, and you'll find out about this story of Lot. And what happens is, just picture this. Lot, he's the mayor of Sodom now. He's done well for himself. Kids have been going to the best school, Sodom High. <laughs> Voted most likely to succeed. Valedictorian, both of them. How do you do that? He goes to the first church of Sodom. He's got it down. He knows. There's something about him. They remember that Peter said he was a righteous man. And God rescued him before the destruction. And he tried to rescue him way before the destruction, but he didn't listen. He, he didn't pay attention. So here he is. He's the mayor. Kids in the best schools. He's going to the first church of Sodom. Uh, he's got hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars in Sodom First National. He's sitting on the finance committee of the first church of Sodom. His daughters have married well. They married some dudes from Sodom. Two, a couple of them, wasn't it? And man, it looks good. And everybody that's looking at him saying, man, this guy is where it's at. Now you think if this dude starts talking, people are going to listen to him? Yeah, because he's got clout. But can I tell you what was going on inside of him? What the world saw as successful, God saw him as a huge failure. 
You see, we can't measure where we're at with God based on the things of this world and the stuff we got. Can't do it. If you're doing that, you don't know who Jesus is. It's that simple. I know that's tough, but it is what it is. Because he don't measure it that way. He owns it all anyway. He just lets us use it. So, here he is. He's the, he, he's the mayor, and he's got all this good stuff going on. And all the while, his uncle Abraham has been out there asking God, don't destroy the place. He didn't know that conversation was going on. And God says, well, I won't. And he goes through the numbers, 50, 40, he gets down to 10. I, I won't destroy if there's even 10 righteous people. Anybody know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? It got destroyed. There wasn't even 10 righteous people there. Fire and brimstone came down. But these angels come, and they come to rescue him. And he's sitting in the gate. He greets them. He takes them home. And these filthy, wicked people, these guys, it says the young and the old, comes to Lot's house, banging on the door, saying, let us get at these two guys, these new strangers. Now, I don't have to develop it any more than that, do I? Strange flesh, something new. Let us come in so that we may know them carnally. Means they wanted to have relations with them. They're banging on the doors. And now righteous Lot, the one who made some bad decisions along the way, this is what sin does to us. Our minds get so warped. What does he do? He goes out to try to appease these guys. He has two virgin daughters still in the house. And he says, brethren. Read it. It's there. Brethren. He's talking to the Sodomites and calling them brothers. Now we call each other brother here. That's, that's a good, good thing to do. But he's calling these guys, these known Sodomites, the ones who's wanting to get to God's angels and have relations with them. He calls them brothers. You see, you can't call the world a brother when you're trying to preach to them about sin. It can't happen. We have to be able to call it what it is. I told you last week, there is no gray area. There's either light or there's darkness. And can I give you a little hint right now? If your life or my life, it, it, this applies to me too, if there's anything that I might call gray, any time that you're sitting and trying to finagle the Word of God to justify sin, you're heading to a, a road of destruction. That's a sign. The Word says this. I'm trying to figure out how to get around it and be okay with God. It can't happen. We'll search out people. Brother Murphy, what do you think about that word? And if Brother Murphy says, well, I don't know, he's messed up. Or if Ken does that, he's messed up. We need to say with love, there's destruction there. Stay away from it. And the sad part is, is people will continue to search for somebody to pat them on the back and tell them in the word of God some way, somehow, that it works. But he called these guys brethren. Don't do this. Now, I've got two virgin daughters in here. Now, this is what sin does. Your mind just gets warped all out of whack. 
You call right wrong and wrong right. I got two virgin daughters out here. Why don't you just let me send them out to you and you do with them as you please? That's what the Bible says. That's exactly what it says. You see, whenever he started pitching his tent towards Sodom, when he started going after the stuff, whenever he started joining the town council, oh, well, he joined church too, so it looked good. Well, guess what? You've got to receive truth when you go to church. You've got to receive truth whenever you get in the Word of God. You've got to receive truth whenever you're seeking God to lead you. And that's as simple as that. And he didn't have that. I picture him being on the committee, the finance committee, the, the deacons committee, the pastoral committee. He was on all those committees, and it didn't mean anything because whenever the rubber met the road, when the tough stuff came, what did he do? Called these guys brethren and was going to sacrifice his two daughters on the altars of their lust. Now that's exactly what happened. Decisions. Dangerous decisions. They start out small. It don't seem like that much, but you get on down the road and the next thing you know, destruction is staring you right in the face. And so what happens? They say, we're going to destroy this place. Well, what does he do? He goes and he finds his daughters that's married to some fellows. He tells them, hey, we've got to get out of here. God's going to destroy this place. And they're like, no, we like it here. You see what sin does? You don't even get the truth when it comes. Won't hear it. Can't, can't receive it. That's what sin does. So what his decision he made, maybe when these little girls was in kindergarten, now they're grown up and they have gotten used to the lifestyle and they're like, ah, I'm staying. They didn't last too many days because the place was put to rubble. Ashes. So he lost them. He's still looking at his stuff and the angels are saying, you better get out of here. God's getting ready to do this. They had to basically forcibly remove him. You see how God loves us? They had to forcibly remove him and say, get out of here and don't look back. His wife loved it so much she looked back. We know she was turned to a pillar of salt because she looked back. She disobeyed God. Well, what's so big about me looking back? Whenever God tells you don't do it, don't do it. It's that big. So what happens? They get free. They go up into a cave. And them daughters that was raised in that atmosphere gets their daddy drunk. You see, he was so lost. He was so lost in sin, so deep in sin, he couldn't even say, I'm not going to get drunk with you. And then what happened? He had relations with them. I don't have to spell that out for you, do I? He had relations with his daughters. And they got pregnant. And they had babies. And that's where we get the people called the Moabites and the Ammonites. Enemies of God. Read it through the Bible from there. Because of poor decisions brothers and sisters we're faced with decisions every day and my prayer today is that you've been making decisions or you've been got decisions to make I don't care what they are 
follow God, if it don't add up with the Word, get away from it. Because it's trouble. It might not seem it now, but you'll find out down the road there's trouble there. Amen? I'm still perplexed. I'm going to stand here as the preacher in the pulpit this morning. Still perplexed. Second Peter 2.7 tells you that Lot was a righteous man. I think the key word is was. Thank you. Was a righteous man. And it's my prayer today that we walk out of this church today It's holding us back. It could be feelings we have towards somebody that may not be righteous feelings. It could be habits we're dealing with. You name your, pick your poison, so to speak. Kind of might not be the best way to put it, but it's poison. If it's not along with God, pick your poison. Because it's going to create strife, it's going to create divide, it's going to create all these things whenever we don't make the decisions God wants us to. When he's trying to point us in the right direction, there's so much to glean from, from reading about Sodom and Gomorrah, a whole lot that you can just get into. You got a song in your heart, brother? Come and play it. You see, it's my prayer today that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's time to make him your Lord and Savior. Because you ain't, you ain't promised to get up to the corner before something happens. Or before we close the service out and they finish singing this song, you know Jesus could come back today? How many of you believe that? Yeah, he could come back at any moment. And that means we need to be in a place that we should be. That, mean, that, mean, that, means, that means that I'm through some kind of a test. And let me tell you, when the test is coming, it's not time to run. When the test is coming, it's time to get on your face before God, get in the Word of God, and let Him reveal to you that that tree ain't worth all you thought it was. Because the storm will reveal the rottenness, the wickedness. Search me, O oh God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. You know, we wonder about a lot of different things. Why this, why that, why this, why that? And sometimes it might be just because we don't let God reveal our hearts to us. We wonder why we deal with junk. Because we won't let God reveal our hearts to us. We won't receive the truth He wants to give to us. We don't want it. Why? Because we like this green pasture over here. We like being able to slip into town every now and again and, and get a cheap steak. Keep our cowboys away from each other so they don't fight. When all the time our cowboys should be meeting at the table and letting the Word of God heal them. Does that make sense? Let the Word of God heal. We prayed this morning before we started with those that have all kinds of junk going on. You know, the sickness in their bodies, and, and I hopefully I pray that we was praying for somebody that's dealing with something spiritually. That their eyes can be able to see what God's trying to reveal. And then say, Holy Spirit, come in and do your work. Because can I tell you something? It ain't going to happen until He does.
It's easy to come into church, dress to the nines, and play the game for an hour. And then go out and keep it hid for the rest of the week. And God's talking to us right now. Every single one of us. He's talking to us right now. There's stuff in me that he's been cleaning out since I got saved. That's stuff he's cleaned out of me in the last two weeks. That I buried somewhere back here, I've done forgot about it, put it away. And I know I was forgiven when I came to him. But it wasn't about the being the forgiven part. I was still forgiven. The day that I got saved, I didn't I couldn't even tell you where John 3.16 was in the Bible other than John 3.16. Well, turn to it. I have no idea. That's where I was at the day I got saved. And if I'd have died that day going home, I would have went to heaven. Plain and simple. And it's the same thing for every one of you. But as we grow, he does something called sanctification. And he'll spend the rest of our lives cleaning us up. Bringing out the stuff that we've buried. Bringing out the stuff that has caused a filter to be inside of us that we run everything through. The thing that we causes us to build the walls that we don't want to get close to people. The things that causes us to build all these things inside of us. And he says, I love you. And my blood is good for you. But guess what? I can take you somewhere else. We don't have to walk around with the stuff that keeps us burdened down. Because if we don't deal with it, Lot is an example. I don't want to be uh, the tale of my life, chapter 2. You know what I'm saying? That's what we have to do. Does that make sense this morning? Because we all got stuff we got to deal with. You ain't dead yet. You might be close, but you ain't dead yet. And he's still working. Stand to your feet this morning. And as they, as they sing, you want to be prayed with something? And I'm, let me tell you, before I even tell you this, before you ever come to receive any kind of prayer, the devil is sitting there. He's got like, it's probably 110, 120 people in here this morning. He's got 110 or 120 minions sitting in here this morning telling you, don't do it. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to talk about you. Why don't you do it? Get saved. Join us. And the ones that's laughing and talking, we'll start praying for them, and then they won't be laughing and talking because one day they're going to come forward. Amen? That's where freedom lies. That's whenever we can be ready to minister to this community, to the people in our families, the ones that's lost. That's right. That's when the power of the Holy Spirit will come inside of us. And that's when, you know, if you can't walk out of your seat and come up and get prayed for, well, he can't trust you to go out and tell somebody about Jesus that needs it. That's right. Amen? That's right. Amen. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. That's not my point. My point was this morning to deliver the message that God gave me. My point was this morning to give that to you and let the Holy Ghost do his work. Because I already understand. I get it every Sunday. I know. I understand. I'm going to preach what God gives. One or two might get saved. Three or four will get sanctified and get set loose. A few more might get filled with the Holy Ghost. Twenty won't care. Won't know what I preach by the time they get out on the road. And two or three will be mad. Same message. Same spirit. It's about how we receive. It's the filters we run it through. How we receive it. In my prayer this morning, let God lead you. Let Him lead you now. Come forward. Let Him lead you now. Come and receive what He has for you. 
Maybe a little kid calls you a fat so whenever you was seven years old and it's something that you've dealt with your whole life. Maybe a little kid called you a buck tooth. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe a boss didn't do something right. And that's the very thing that has put anger inside of us and bitter inside of us. You know what? We can't be an effective Christian with that stuff in us. And He wants to set you free this morning. Come. Come and receive. Come and receive. Come and receive.